This is Wendy Carson Smith with Smart Practice. We are here to talk with you about William George Davis, a nurse connected with the death of numerous patients and the injury of numerous others at a Texas hospital. But before I start, just want to do a disclaimer associated with our discussions here. Carson Company provides general information and discussion about medicine, nursing, health, law, and related subjects. The words and contents provided in this podcast or on our blog and in any link materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical, nursing, or legal advice. If the reader or any other person has a medical concern, he or she should consult the appropriately licensed nurse, lawyer, or other healthcare worker. Never disregard professional medical or legal advice or delay in seeking advice or treatment either because of something you have read or seen on our podcast, our blog, or our website. If you think you have a healthcare emergency, please contact your appropriate healthcare provider immediately. If you think it is a legal emergency or it is a legal need, please contact a lawyer in the appropriate jurisdiction. Today, we're gonna to talk about William George Davis. He was hired as a nurse at a Tyler, Texas hospital. And during the time he practiced and these events occurred, he was practicing as a registered nurse, but he recently completed a master's as an acute care nurse practitioner. I think it's important for us to note that um, he does have the education, but fortunately he does not have the credential. Now I can go into all of the discussions about him here, but I wanna first start with why we are doing this. Smart Practice is a podcast designed to discuss issues related to nursing practice. Many of you call me and even more write me about issues related to nursing practice. And uh, a lot of folk want advice and guidance. A lot of you ask, Wendy, why have you done this? Uh, and why is this your love? And it is a love, it is a passion, because I have worked in this area on nursing issues for almost 30 years. I find the issues interesting and intellectually challenging as an attorney. A lot of attorneys will tell you they have health practices and they have never practiced related to nursing issues. This particular issue brings together, this particular case rather, brings together a lot of different issues. It brings together nursing malpractice or malfeasance, criminal law. It also uh, brings into play human resource issues and disciplinary issues. As many of you know, nurses have an affirmative obligation to report uh, malfeasance or perceived misdoing to the State Board of Nursing. Hospitals have, and hospitals and senior administrators at hospitals also have 
and administrative responsibility to address issues associated with practice. I want you to make sure that you understand those issues as well. Now, a lot of what occurred with William George Davis down in Texas uh, occurred between 2017 and 2018. At that time, um, there were three deaths and six patients harmed allegedly by nurse William George Davis. In January 2018, the hospital contacted the police because they suspected something was amiss. And in February 2018, Davis was terminated. In March of 2018, he was um, taken before the Board of Nursing and his license was suspended. In March 28th, forensic pathologists concluded that the death of the first suspected patient occurred as a result of an embolism caused by someone injecting or somehow them getting air into his, his lines. In June 2017, patient one dies as a result of air being introduced into his arterial system. In June 22, 2017, a 61-year-old patient who had a profound and unexplainable event resembling stroke-like symptoms. He came in as a result of a cardiac arrest and he had um, been in surgery, taken through surgery, surgery was successful, responded positively after surgery, and then this occurrence, um, this stroke-like occurrence came on him. In, um, June, and um, in July 2017, another patient, Gary Parker, uh, suffers a significant injury from a pr profound and unexplainable uh, incident resembling stroke-like symptoms. He too, this is a heart hospital where all this occurs too, just to keep it in, in context. And so he too has stroke-like symptoms. In July 26, 2017, another patient, Ronald Clark, dies as a result of an embolism. In August 2017, a third patient had a coronary bypass, and then he had a stroke-like incident. Once again, had a stroke-like incident, which led to him being diagnosed as brain dead, and then subsequently he dies. There are two other patients, one August 2017 and one in October 2017 that had another significant, as they say, stroke-like incident and injury as a result of that. In November 2017, there was an eighth patient and the first female patient. She had a significant stroke-like incident. What really triggered the findings in all of these discussions of the patient and this these of the uh, client is that the nurse 
who was involved was on call or in the hospital at work when all of these incidents occurred and someone saw the consistency and the type of injury. He was the only one in the hospital who was in the hospital on this unit at this time of the day when each of these occurred. Secondly, they went back and pulled some of the footage. Now, as many of you know, in the hospitals, they don't necessarily have cameras in the room, but they do have cameras in the hallways. And in three of these incidents, they captured him going in the room of the patient uh, immediately prior to the stroke-like or unexplainable incident with the stroke-like symptoms. He was never assigned these patients, which is something that um, we should appreciate about this. But instead, he went in and he rendered care in those patients' rooms to those patients and did not, he was neither assigned nor did he give any information or notice to the nurse who was assigned to the patient that there was a problem up until incident number seven, where they caught him on camera and where a, a nurse left uh, and took a break and asked him to go into the room. And I asked him to um, care for his patients while he was on break. Those are the issues which led to the indictment. Now, interesting enough, in um, this particular um, um, township, I this township or town, they once they knew that there was an issue, they called in a forensic team to look at all of the patient records. Once they looked at all of the patient's records and determined that, that death had occurred as a result of, um, of an embolism caused by someone getting air into the lines, then that's when they chose to seek an indictment. Now, concurrent with the first indictment, well, in between the first indictment and the second expansion of charges, which I will discuss later, um, a one of the patient's families got a lawyer to bring a civil suit. And the civil suit is against the hospital as well as the individual allegedly involved because they say the hospital should have had better notice or alternatively should have known that a problem uh, was a miss with this particular nurse and should take that nurse off of this um, service or this unit. And they are alleging that the hospital put the patient in danger by not doing so. Now, in the first indictment, they indict the, um, the nurse for one act of homicide and three acts of aggravated assault. Then they came back and they indicted the nurse again. Well, they didn't indict the nurse again, but they expanded the charges 
and expanded the indictment in August of 2018 and added in another death at that time. And so um, it were two deaths and then additional aggravated assault. I think it's six aggravated assault. And then I think they went back in and put the third one, but it's very hard to find out exactly the, um, when they did so because frankly, I'm working from newspaper articles and not from original articles. Um, the Board of Nursing has not placed his um, disciplinary decision online yet. So I'm going to have to um, wait on it, but I want it to come forward and so we can have this discussion. Now, I know from my discussions and working with you that when there's a bad egg in the nursing service, everybody knows. And they work really hard to work around that particular um, person. But some of you who are listening might not know what to look for. So let's just real quick go through the signs of what uh, of, of something being amiss with a nurse who is deliberately trying to harm a patient. When HR sees their files, what they will see is that they move between 12 and 18 months after they get to a hospital setting. Um, they move from one setting to another, 12 to 18 months after getting a job. Why 12 to 18 months? Because generally that's about the time it takes to actually investigate them and find out that something is wrong. And almost every time they move, they move prior to the hospital making a decision or coming out with an actual termination. So if you see someone who has moved like this, then I would strongly suggest that you call the hospital and not just talk to the HR department, but also talk to those nurse supervisors and those nurse managers who have managed the particular employee. Now we know that when we are limited in terms of what we say, when we've got a bad egg, and that's what I call them, a bad egg as an employee. But there are things that are not said as well that are beneficial to you when you have an, a, an employee who has a problem. So ask the questions. The question that I would ask, number one is, do you know why this particular nurse has transferred or moved. In most instances, they can tell you, well, they moved to another location, the family moved, something like that. But if they don't know, there is a trigger. Have they worked at multiple sites and in multiple locations? And have they moved from 12 to 18 months beforehand? Ask which settings they work in. Unfortunately, they tend to work with those who are most sick and they work with them and they ask for nighttime or low uh, uh, patient um, family visitor interaction in those settings. 
So when they are asking for that third shift and they've been moving constantly and nobody can discern why they are moving, your alarm bells should go off. So I want you to, to think on those things and think about it. Now, fourth, I always tell every nurse, and this is something that those of you who have heard me speak know, is that there is intuition there. There's a, 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 nurses have a, a second set of abilities that go beyond education and experience. So if you see a nurse who is always checking on everybody's patients except for those and there's a sign that's another thing because they should be working with the patients that they have been assigned and if they are overly eager and overly ambitious to work with everybody's patient that is another sign as well so we want to make sure that we try to keep the setting safe for everyone Finally, it took them 12 months to find problems with this particular nurse. It generally takes 12 to 18 months, but that's still unacceptable. You all know that if something is going on and someone is in there not doing what they're supposed to do, let's say we got somebody who is a really lousy nurse, a nurse who does not do what they're supposed to do, a nurse who does not attend their client the way they are supposed to. You pick up on that in the first three to six months. So conversely, when you have a nurse who is overly aggressive about taking care of patients, they sometimes present as nurses who are talking about, oh, I really love to take care of this patient because I feel this is my duty, my responsibility. And you're telling them, but you got your patient load. Your patient load is more than enough, but they want to take care of yours and everybody else's. That should be the trigger. I want to sit down too and talk with you about some of the issues associated with boards of nursing and their responsibilities. Boards of nursing have affirmative responsibilities associated with when they get notice of a bad nurse. Now, when they get notice of a bad nurse, they too have to conduct an investigation. Some do it slower, some do it faster, but the bottom line is they got to do it. Also, the nurse manager, the nurse director of nursing, if they discipline or terminate a nurse, they are to affirmatively uh, report that nurse to the Board of Nursing, especially if it is for cause and it is related to patient care. That is in the statute. So we've got to start addressing this and we've got to start actually terminating, I mean, terminating nurses as opposed to letting them resign. Frankly, the way the statute is written in most states, if they resign because it is a patient safety issue, the um, nurse executive is supposed to report them. So it is my hope that others in other instances report them.
Now, I also want us to think about the fact that William George Davis did not just do this in a vacuum. Now, I don't wish it upon anyone, but for him to for him to do this on a regular and ongoing basis means that he's done it in another setting. He tested it in another place. And so I would suggest that there are other settings where some harm he's worked and some harm has come towards a, a, a patient. Now, a lot of you are saying, well, Wendy, why are you coming up with these speculations and why do you think these things occurred? I've spoken with at least two different nurses who specialize in tracking these death angels or guardian angel um, nurses. And they, these are the recommendations that they have shared with me on this issue. We've got to be more vigilant about it. We've got to work at getting to a place and a space where these nurses are identified early as opposed to late. Three deaths and six harmful events is too much for any hospital to endure. And once the litigation is done at the civil level, it could bring the hospital close to um, bankruptcy. So we really, really want to address those issues as well. I told you all that he worked the night shift and most of these events occurred between three and five in the morning. There was security footage of him entering at least two different rooms. Now, in one instance, interestingly, a nurse said that that particular nurse went on break. And while that nurse was on break, there was abnormality in um, the patient's arterial line waveform. Now, normally when that occurs too, you know, the way the, the machines are set up in the rooms, there was a notice given at the nurse's desk. And so he indicated that Nurse Davis, the alleged murderer and suspect, indicated that there was an upstream occlusion in a Baxter 4 pump. And later that statement was determined to be untruthful. But security footage caught him going in the room then the machine went off. After the machine went off, the nurses checked with him and checked on it. And the nurses actually asked him about it. So interestingly enough, when the Board of Nursing made their decision to suspend Mr. Davis, what they did was they suspended him not just for the abnormal events that occurred, but also they suspended him for going into the rooms of patients of other nurses and not reporting that he had been in the room or that he had provided care. In the Board of Nursing's response, what we are seeing is that, is that he was suspended and his license was not revoked because you have a property right in one's license. You can defend that license. So there will be subsequent hearings and a subsequent revocation. I suspect that if the criminal trial goes as we envision, 
that his license will be revoked immediately after. Now, Don, you are right about a mental health of the nurse being factored into the root cause of these issues. That is why I say, listen to what the nurse says. When there's a nurse who is overreaching in their response, you really need to listen to them. When they're saying, oh, I got to save the world. I just wanna just help everybody and they are not just working with their own patients, but they're trying to work with Sandy's patients and Jane's patients, and you're telling them, these are my patients, I got this, then there's, there's a problem out there in the universe. And that is one of the first things that you will see with that death angel kind of wish, is that they are almost angelic in how they approach this. They believe that it is their God-given duty to take care of a person when they think that they are, that in many instances, the patient is in pain or is harmed to the point that they will not get well. Then they think it is their responsibility to terminate lives. And that is the mentality that we tend to deal with when you're dealing with a nurse serial killer. Nurse serial killers don't want to just harm people, but they generally feel like that it is their obligation to bring death about. That is one of the root causes is, is a mental health issue. Even though a mental health issue might be the cause of it, we've got to inquire and discuss other mental health issues because somebody could be bipolar, you know, or, or obsessive, compulsive, there are a whole lot of things out here in the universe and still practice nursing well. They could have gone in for mental treatment and still practice nursing well. What we are seeing is sociopathic behavior where there is a belief that goes beyond the traditional norm that should be questioned. So when you see people who are at the outer edges of doing good, then that is when you need to question them. Thank you for the question. And I think that's the best way to answer it. Now, how many of these nurses are out in the universe? That is a real issue is that we don't know. And we do not have a good mechanism for capturing them are capturing the mentality of this type of person when they're in school or even after they graduate. As I mentioned, William George Davis has just finished his master's in acute care nursing practice. So it is terribly hard to capture the person who might be doing this in terms of screening for, for them screening to to prevent the behavior beforehand subject but like i said when you first see them going in to take care of clients that are not their own that do not necessarily need care that the nurse who is assigned to them is already providing care and you see an adverse incident pop up, that's when you start to look at it. I've worked with some nurses who have been um, drug seekers 
And when the nurses who are, are drug seekers start doing things to, to acquire uh, additional pharmaceutical drugs, what they do is that they too behave as if they are overly concerned about the patient and that they think that they are taking care of this patient. They want everyone to believe and have a perception that they are taking care of this patient. And what they do in reality is either they water down the drug or give them half doses and then they take the other half of the dose home. But it comes across in, um, as them being a caring individual and someone who is overly concerned so that they are in and out of that patient's room, whether or not that patient is assigned to them. And in most instances, the nurses who have longstanding drug histories place themselves in a position where they have patients that are getting pain and other types of inappropriate prescription meds that they can abuse. You want to look at the conduct. Once you see that conduct and you see that first adverse incident, the registered nurse on the unit should give notice to their nurse manager. That nurse manager has an affirmative obligation after he or she has been given notice to go out there in the universe and look at that nurse's personnel file, to look at the times that the nurse has been assigned, look at the nurse's shifts and look at what is occurring on those shifts. And if there is a disproportionate number of adverse incidences compared to the rest of the hospital or a disproportionate number of deaths compared to the hospital or and or to your past history, then that is um, the time that the nurse manager should go to the HR and to her manager and start talking about what is occurring out here in the universe and how we should respond to what is occurring out in the universe. Those are my thoughts on George William Davis. Uh, I would, um, I may do a follow-up after I get the um, Board of Nursing's actual decision because it goes into his uh, work history as well as his um, his education. And we might do a follow-up after the trial ends because right now, like I said, they started his trial in December, the second week of December, and I have not seen a jury verdict yet in this particular instance. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate the questions and I appreciate you being here. Again, this is smart practice. We are going to cover other issues. I think the next time I'm gonna do a fraud and abuse case, and I think that it will help us to better understand and be smarter about how we practice, what we practice and what we do. So again, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you. Have a great day.